my camera just wouldn't work when I had a training session. It just, no matter what I did, and I'm pretty good at troubleshooting, nothing was working. And I'm like, okay, we're going to do this session without me on camera. Yep. One of the things that blows my mind is the amount that you pay for like a MacBook and like the shit camera that comes with it is mind boggling. And so I always end up buying these external ones. And the one day I just gotten one, it wasn't working. And like a super mature adult, I threw it on the ground because I was mad. <laughs> and then I broke it. Hey, Warners, welcome to another episode of The Women Your Mother Warned You About, the podcast that makes business sexy again. Oh, that was supposed to be Rachel's line. Where's Rachel? No, she's not here this week. It's just me. Last week, it was just her. Well, not just. We had guests. And by the way, this is Gina Tremarco, the other half of The Women Your Mother Warned You About, which is sponsored by Sales Gravy. Super excited about this week's episode. We brought back Justine Sones, who's a stress management and self-care coach. She's been on our show before. We loved her so much. We brought her back. So this week we talk about boundaries, how to set them up, how to break them down, and how impactful and helpful and necessary that is in a sales conversation, in business, and in your personal life. I think my biggest takeaway from this episode was talking about the difference between fitting in and belonging. They are two different things. So Warners, sit back, take notes on how to de-stress, self-care, and have a better life in business and your personal life with Justine Sones. happy you said Mac because <laughs> everybody gives me shit about having a Mac and I got a Mac and I still got issues. Now, one could say I'm the issue. I one mean, could, but one could say that, but I'm going to go with this Mercury and retrograde shit. I 100% think that Mercury is the issue. <sighs> I'm so all for taking personal responsibility and blaming Mercury. Both things are true. Yes. I love it. And I'm so happy to have you back on the show today on the women your mother warned you about. Yes. I'm really excited. I'm also really nervous. Why? Why? Because I, I think it's because yesterday I listened to a podcast that just went out and there were a couple times where I'm like, I didn't fucking answer the question at all. Like you tried to get a really simple answer out of me and I went on this complete tangent and all of a sudden I'm like, can I not trust my brain anymore? What, on our podcast? No, no, on a different oh, one. Oh, okay. I'm like... But so I went through and I like listened to our last episode. I took notes so that I know like <laughs> what we referenced. <laughs> what what do, what did we talk about on the last show? Oh, by the way, everybody, welcome to this, this episode of The Women Your Mother Warned You About with Justine... Do, do you say Sones? Yes. Because I, I, I butcher shit all the time. With Justine yep. Stone, she's she's back because we loved her so much when she was here the first time. We're like, ooh, let's do a series of episodes with Justine to, that, that we could wrap into this show. And uh, what we're talking about today is, I believe, Healthy Boundaries. Is that what we're talking about today? 
that sounds like a really great topic to talk about. Okay, good. Good. So yeah. that's what we're talking about today. Um, and we've got some really great other episodes that we're going to do with you over the coming weeks because we thought it'd be fun to bring you back. Sadly, Rachel's not here. So you get to be the blonde. Oh, I love it. I've been that role my whole life. I'm well prepared. That's perfect. And just so you're clear, you're the you're the temporary blonde. You're not the you're not the forever blonde. Yeah, you're not the I permanent. That. You're not the permanent blonde. I don't want Rachel to think she's been replaced. She's irreplaceable. She is. Irreplaceable. I'm so glad that we communicated that up front, and I am fully on board with it. You know what? You know what's so cool about the fact that I communicated that up front? Let's hear it. Here it is. I just set a boundary. You did. You <gasps> did. You learned so much. I learned well, so that's probably. our episode for today. That was so great. I know, right? <laughs> I was totally improv. I was like, oh, how do we segue there? Yeah. Boundaries. Yeah. Boundaries. Yeah. You know what? Mercury in retrograde, that badass needs to set boundaries. No, I need to set boundaries in Mercury in retrograde. Yes. Yes. I, so I don't know how into astrology our listeners are, but this is actually a really fun mental exercise that I have in terms okay. of when I do set boundaries, I look at the things that are realistically within my control. And then there's often elements of things that, that, you know, aren't. And so if I can kind of tell myself a story that makes me feel better, I, I do that. I let myself live in imagination. So whether or not you buy into astrology, Mercury is the planet that resides over like communication and something else, the messenger planet or something like that. Okay. So when Mercury's in retrograde, anything tech related or communication related gets really messed up kind of inexplicably. And mm -hmm. so what I do with that information is when things do get messed up because they will, I can tell myself like, this doesn't make me bad or wrong. Like, I'm not bad at my job because this happened. Mercury's in retrograde. Let's blame Mercury. Let's blame Mercury. So I did everything within my power to prepare. It still went wrong. I can't change it, but I can blame Mercury and that will allow me to move on with my day. You know, I like it. I like it. Um, you know, as salespeople, a lot of our listeners here are salespeople and salespeople, sometimes we want to blame all kinds of things for why we're not getting sales. And... I'm going to give everyone permission to like blame Mercury and retrograde for like 10 minutes, right? Because it's, it's, yep. it's communi right? Cause you just said it affects communication. Um, we really shouldn't be blaming anything. Uh, it's funny. I like this, like the stories we tell ourselves thing, um, which the stories I tell myself sometimes help, helps me get through a situation. The stories I tell myself also get me in trouble because it creates delusion and mm -hmm. we know we can't sell in delusion, but there's nothing wrong with a temporary moment of imagination, storytelling and blaming Mercury in retrograde. Yes. A brief reprieve. Mm -hmm. And then we get back to the task at hand. Great. So. Which what, what another great segue. So I'm pulling up my handy dandy notes here on my phone because we've put together all these topics that we're going to be going through uh, over the next several episodes that we do with you. And when I say next several episodes, Warners, I'm not saying that these are consecutive. We're going to we're going to sprinkle Justine in. Yeah. We're going to so sprinkle a little spice, a little hot sauce here and there, a little hot sauce here and there. Um, you know, Rachel, um, Rachel went um, a renegade without me. 
the other, yeah, I think yesterday she recorded an episode with someone else. So she cheated on me. I'm cheated, cheating on her. It works. By the way, this show is sponsored by Sales Gravy and Jeb Blunt. So powered by Sales Gravy. Thank you to Sales Gravy. So today we're talking about, I'm just going to kind of set, set the boundaries. Ooh, look at that. Healthy boundaries in theory plus practice. All right, so I'm going to read this little description. The word boundaries gets thrown around a lot, right? So there's that because it's like boundaries, set your boundaries. What were your boundaries, right? I've been through enough therapy for that. Mm-hmm. It's thrown around a lot without actually getting clear on what a boundary is, uh, how it functions, mm, and how to put the theory into practice. Oh, yes. You specifically love having conversations that help bring those intangible boundaries, mental, emotional, and relational to life so that people can take agency over their own. Yes. Yes. I love this is juicy. So let's talk about the word boundaries. It gets thrown around a lot without actually getting clear on what the boundary is. So Let's talk about that, the word boundaries. What, what's your feelings on that? Okay. So boundaries, and we touched on this a little bit the last time that we spoke, but boundaries at their core are limits that we put in place to protect ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. And so that, again, at first glance seems really straightforward. But when you start to break it down, we realize that there's a lot of nuance that exists here. So like, what is a limit? How do we find our limits? How do we work within them? Um, without, you know, playing small. What does it mean to protect ourselves? What are the actions we're taking? What's the effect it's actually having on our lives? And then when we say protect ourself, what does that self even mean? And what does that look like relative to the people around us? Because boundaries exist between ourselves and others. So Mm -hmm. how do you create that healthy separation? without creating so much distance that there's disregard for the person on the other side of it. Yeah, well, let's let's kind of back into that a little bit. Why do we need boundaries and why do we need to protect ourselves? Well, what's the consequence if you don't protect yourself? If someone's coming at you with a knife and you don't do anything, what's going to happen? Yeah, okay, good point. I'm going to get hurt. You're going to get hurt. Yes. So that's why we need those boundaries to protect ourselves. And to not just protect ourselves, but again, to also protect others, because there's the boundaries that we set that limit the way that people can access us. And there's the boundaries that we set that limit the way that we connect with other people. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so again, with the example of an attacker coming at you with a knife, it's really easy to kind of think about how those boundaries would exist, whether it's putting distance between you and the person or whether you are um, reacting in a way to protect yourself with, with like more defensively by like fighting back or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, but then if the person does actually make contact with you, your first line of defense is probably going to be your clothes and then your skin, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so when the object that they're using to attack you makes contact with your skin, ideally, it doesn't penetrate immediately because there's that barrier, mm-hmm. right? So that's a boundary that exists. Within your skin, you also have all of those nerves that are giving you the feedback to your body to let you know what the actual threat is. 
right? So if you're fighting someone for your life and they're maybe punching you, a blunt force isn't going to do too, too much damage. You might still be able to engage with that protection, right? Mm -hmm. If they actually break skin and you get that level of pain that says, okay, something's really wrong, then that tells you that you maybe need to take even more protective action. And this isn't like a perfect example, but it kind of brings to light how that, that protective mechanism functions when we're talking about a physical threat. Yeah. Okay. Well, so let's talk about this because there are going to be some people out there, some naysayers listening to this who are going to say, oh, I don't need to set up boundaries. I am. Do you know who I am? Nothing can penetrate this. Nothing can hurt me. Uh, I am. Nope. Nothing can destroy me. I'm indestructible. What is this boundaries thing you're talking about? What about those people? So, I mean, I would, I would be curious about how the, about the quality of their, their interpersonal relationships in terms mm. of how they're setting those boundaries, because there can be, you know, a lack of boundaries where you let people take advantage of you. Um, you know, you people please, you bend over backwards. That's kind of how we traditionally think about people with boundary issues is that really heavy codependence. Um, but on the other side of that spectrum is if we're too removed and we actually put up these walls that keep people mm -hmm. at a distance, yeah. then that can also be it's damaging and shortchanging us. So if we have, you know, this circle where we exist and this circle where the other person exists and have that overlap in a beautiful Venn diagram, love myself <laughs> yeah. a good Venn diagram. Love Venn diagrams, yes. What a healthy boundary does is actually creates a mutually beneficial space in that relationship that works for both people. So mm. if you do have healthy boundaries and you're able to show up in that in that um, way that works for both people, it nurtures growth, it's healthy, then great, good for you. You'll, know, you'll know that because you have great relationships. But if you are keeping yourself at so much of a distance that you're not actually connecting with people, mm. then that's a that, that creates a um, like a violation of distance, it creates too much space, yeah. because we are wired for connection. You know, like we, we put these limits in place to protect ourselves so that we can show up for other people because we're social creatures. You know, I think there are a lot of people out there that don't realize that they don't connect, that they can't connect. Their walls are so thick around them that they're actually oblivious. Would you agree? I think so. Where do you think I that do. comes where do you think that comes from? I think, I mean, I know we're not psychologists, but I, I think yeah, this no, is but fascinating I, to me. I think that some of it has to do with um and, and like, this is me going completely off of my like normal script of conversation, like my talking points and stuff like that into a general area of inquiry is that I do think that it has a, a something to do with a degree of emotional maturity mm -hmm. in terms of like when you are literally born as a newborn baby, um, the first thing that you can see is really only like six inches from your face, right? Mm -hmm. So that you can yeah. bond with your caregivers. And then after that, you start to take in like black and white objects and like okay. and, you, and you you develop that capacity to see farther but when you're a child you still kind of make things about yourself right mm -hmm. that's like you you make sense of the world through your own lens and as you grow up you develop that capacity to take on the empathy and point of view of other people and so i do think that if if people aren't um connected enough to be able to take on that perspective like hear other people's stories because because you 
always impact the people around you. It's just yeah. whether or not you are aware of it. And so I think that it takes that level of emotional maturity to be able to extend that perspective to other people. And I think that there are a lot of adults who just genuinely haven't learned that kind of empathy and connection. And, and so it becomes this spot of unawareness that if you don't think that you have a problem, then you don't have a problem. And, and it's it's really convenient if you aren't connected enough or in a safe enough space to listen to people share when you're causing them harm because then mm -hmm. you remain oblivious to the problem so it becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy you know yeah well let's i want to i want to talk a little bit about this this empathy thing and being born with it and i'm huge into this and this is very much emotional intelligence uh that we're, we're talking about we also know that um people there there's a certain percentage of people that their emotional intelligence is not quite there and they are more kind of like borderline sociopaths, right? Because they start to believe their own stories that they tell themselves and some of them become pathological, right? They, mm -hmm. they, they're oblivious and they don't have the empathy capacity. So while um, you started to say like we can we can learn this, and I and I do believe that we can learn empathy through first starting with self empathy. But I do think there are some people that are maybe just they're miswired and they don't have the capacity. I I think that there is a very very small percentage of the population that genuinely don't have the capacity because you know to truly be a sociopath and be connected from the ability to feel is a mm -hmm. really small percentage yeah. and I but I do agree that I think it does become pathological. Um and so I think that you know people are born with predispositions towards certain behaviors and traits and the environments that we exist in end up nurturing the expression one way or the other. Um, so then where my brain kind of goes for that piece of the conversation then is like for these people, um, how have they been enabled along the way? Okay. And so this kind of comes back to that element of consequence is that like if you are truly that disconnected from the way that your behavior um, is impacting other people, um, it might be because someone's softening the blow for you. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it becomes this this thing of like, um, maybe there are people that are I, again, I, I hate saying that I think that people are too far gone. But but all that I can do is keep showing up in this practice as I yeah. am and hope that it ripples out and reaches those people while also knowing that they may not be the people that I have the capacity to allow into my inner circle of contacts right now. And that's a consequence of my boundaries. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. It's interesting too, the environment part of it, of what they were exposed to, who enabled them, who nurtured them. Did they not get that? I also think that there is a part of the things that happen to us along the way that harden us, that get us to put up the walls to protect ourselves. And mm -hmm. then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy that that becomes your new way. And that's what you do. And then you become emotionally disconnected. I've seen this with a lot of people. I saw it in my uh, last marriage, <laughs> my mm. first and last marriage, right? I, I saw the, the emotional disconnection with him mm -hmm. that he just didn't have the capacity. But I think it's because he put all these walls up and then fell into that pattern. So I think you would agree with that just from nodding your head. How do we, 
how do we break out of that pattern once we know it's there? Because if we don't know it's there, it's pretty impossible to break it until someone points it out to you. But if you start to become aware that this is a thing, that your boundaries are actually too thick and hard to get through, how do we get out of that uh, so that we connect better, especially in sales? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's uh, it's really, I think, about understanding where you're on the same page and where you want to work towards the same thing. And there is an element when like there's a discrepancy in knowledge, we'll call it. So whether that's in sales, if you know more about the product and you're trying to reach the customer or whether it's in a relationship and you've done more of the emotional work and labor along the way and understand the path that the person has to walk. It's about identifying where they are and then connecting the dots to where you want to be. Um, and so again, like from, uh, and it takes a lot of time to, to learn how to do this really well, because you have to be able to enter, understand where you're coming from and where the other person is coming from as well, so that you can work with some of their experiences and defense mechanisms to kind of set them down. So whether that's in, again, sales or relationship, you're looking at things like their pain points and their hesitations. Like what's the experience that I'm meeting you at and what do we need to overcome to help you get there. Mm -hmm. So in cases like a personal relationship, that might look like, um, like, hey, it's really important to me that we're able to connect because I care about you. I want to hear about your day. I want to know how I can support you. Um, you know, when you come home at the end of the day and you're really, you know, I can tell you're stressed out and you kind of like harumph in, that makes me worry that I've done something wrong. So is, is there a way that we can create space for you to decompress so that you can then come and meet me in a place of connection? Because that's what I really care about, right? So it articulates that this is the common ground that we want to work towards. Here's the thing that's showing up. This is the way that it's impacting me. And this is how I think that we can make it better going forward. Well, that certainly takes... Um the other person who's going to do that, it certainly puts it on them to have the courage to do that. Don't you think? Yes, absolutely. And, and I mean, I don't think that you can set boundaries without there being vulnerability. And, mm -hmm. and one of the, the um, main components of vulnerability is emotional risk. Mm -hmm. Um, and so again, like from, from my perspective, if I'm the person initiating saying like, Hey, how can we facilitate more connection that is vulnerable? Because it is me saying like, I care about you. I want you to let me in. It hurts me when you don't let me in. Mm -hmm. And so if, you know, the person on the other side isn't receptive to that, then there's the risk that, you know, the, the vibration, the wave, the, the energy that comes back at me will reinforce the fact that like, maybe they don't want to spend time with me. So then all of a sudden that leaves me to now deal with sitting with myself and saying like, am I someone who's worth spending time with? Absolutely. Is this about me? No, no it's not. No. It's about the fact that they're having a bad day. And then that said over the long term, if that pattern persists and there's never any effort to meet me at the point of my boundary, extending the connection while limiting the harm that the behavior causes to me, then it becomes a question of like, do you stay in relationship? And now a word from our fabulous sponsor, Jeb Blunt at Sales Gravy. Hi, this is Jeb Blunt. There's a reason why thousands of sales professionals and top companies across the globe hone their sales skills at Sales Gravy University. You see, Sales Gravy University is different than most learning platforms. First, we have live courses taught in a virtual classroom by our master trainers that start almost every single day. 
And our e-learning platform is populated with hundreds of hours of sales training content produced by some of the top sales trainers in the world, including Gina's spontaneous selling course, which is worth checking out. Now I've got some good news. If you've never taken a course on Sales Gravy University, if you're a new user, you can take your very first course for free. That's any course on the platform, absolutely free. Just go to learn.salesgravy.com. That's learn.salesgravy.com or click the e-learning tab in the top menu at salesgravy.com. Pick out your course. And when you check out, use coupon code free course to get that course for free. That is free course to get your very first course for free. Speaking of Sales Gravy University, go check out salesgravy.university and see some of the courses that I'm teaching. Just scroll through the university and click on them and you will find me and sign up. I'd love to have you there. I think that's really important for salespeople, especially because when we're going up against a buyer that has resistance or has that veneer, we have to be willing to be vulnerable to open up that door for a tough conversation to find a way to get them to show themselves, to talk, um, to be willing to let their guard down. And in my opinion, just based on my improv training and how I've improv, how I've trained people, I call it, I call it creating a safe space, right? You, we, we, you just talked about, I want to talk about this, um, making space for someone, um, I I talk about creating safe space for people to operate and learn and be, right? So uh, you have to create that safe space um, for them and you simultaneously because you're putting yourself out there to be vulnerable. So you want to be safe. And I think the best way to keep yourself safe is to create an environment of safety for the other person. Yeah, it's both. It's both. It's like, again, I think that it has to start with creating that safe internal space for yourself. And one of the things we talked about in the last episode was the way that that story perpetuates, right? That creates Mm -hmm. that stress response that makes us feel defensive or like we need to protect. And so, you know, in the scenario that we just unpacked, again, for for me, ultimately, like to be at the point that I can go to myself and know that, um, that it, it, I'm okay, you know, like I'm not yeah. harmed by their reaction. It's only by having that that I can then meet that the other person and their turbulence and be unaffected by it. So mm-hmm. yes, creating a safe space does mean um, being able to hold that for the person on the other side, mm-hmm. for their story, for their reaction without taking yeah. it on. But I think the only way we can actually do that is if we know how to have that safe space for ourselves first. Okay, good. So hold that thought because I want to come back to holding safe space for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to I want to touch on because this this happened la- a year ago with Rachel and I where we had a fallout, and our our partner Keith Walters, um, basically she sent me an email quitting the show, mm-hmm. and. I was like, wow, you do not do this over email, but she did. And where I'm going with this is that my ego was so involved mm-hmm. in it because it was an attack on her quitting me, right? She was she was breaking up with me. She was quitting me. You know, she wasn't quitting the show. She was quitting me. Yeah. Um, 
and Keith being a partner, I, I called him because she sent an email to both of us. And I, and I was like, I don't know what to do with this. What do you suggest? You want to mediate? And he did not want to mediate. He did not want to get between the two of us for sure. And he's a very evolved man. And his response was, would you call her up and hold space for her? I'm like, that's the last thing I want to do is hold space for her right now. Right. That was my reaction Mm -hmm. because my ego was so involved in the moment. Mm -hmm. How do we get out of that when we've come to such a contentious point um, and, and we're coming close to contempt and then you become resentful and it's hard to come. How do we get out of that before it gets too deep? For me, it's always about taking that space first. So it's like for you to be able to hold the space for her would mean that you would have to have someone hold the space for you first to Mm. process because because again, like there's elements that make the engagement feel personal Mm. and we have to be able to pick those things out. And for me, the only way I'm able to do that is either by talking it through with someone, whether it's like a friend Mm -hmm. or a therapist um, or by writing it down or um, by doing physical activity. So, and and so for me, it's like the way that we respond to engagements with other people. It's not like thing happens, react. There's always a a process, like a processing element to, to unpack. Um, So, so yeah, again, it's like to honor your needs first to say, this is the way that this is impacting me. These are the stories that are coming up. Um, This is, this is what needs to be addressed. It's only then that you can go back and hold the space for the other person. Because then if she, um, you know, says something that triggers one of your uh, threatening stories, you've already done the work to answer that story to yourself. So it's like, mm. okay, you can say that, um, you know, if someone comes at you and says like, oh, I feel like you're like really dropping the ball with deadlines or you're not holding up your side of whatever. It's like, I can hear that and say, okay, I get that that's your experience. I know that that's not necessarily true for these reasons, or that is true. And these are the things I'm going to do to make sure that doesn't happen in the future. Um, so again, it's only when you can meet each other in that place that you can actually facilitate the repair that allows you to move yeah. forward. And that's what the, the boundaries on your own end help you do so that then you can come to that mutually beneficial space to meet. Uh, perfect. I, you know, I often talk about, especially in customer service and sales, that perception is reality. And we are often, when we're dealing with humans just because they're upset with us about something or blaming us for something or their experience with us, and that's what triggered this when you said experience, their experience with us isn't positive, but it's their reality. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that we did anything wrong. It's their perception of the situation that becomes their reality based on something that probably has nothing to do with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's where that processing space allows you to unpack. Is this true or is this not? Mm-hmm. Because again, if it is true, there's valuable feedback there that you can implement. And if it's not true, you're able to kind of deconstruct yeah. it and say like, no, this sounds a bit like a you thing. Then that allows you to move forward. Blame Mercury, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> <laughs> and back to Mercury. <laughs> Blame Mercury. Well, what about people who we know we've seen these people and I think I've gotten better at this. People who 
let people break through their boundaries all the time. And we do see this in sales. There are some salespeople that will just cave in to the buyer and acquiesce because they're people pleasers. And um, I've had to work really hard in setting boundaries on, no, this is time for myself for personal time. No, this is family time. There's a point, especially with the level of work and the amount of work, I've got to constantly set boundaries, but it is hard it is hard to actually respect the boundaries I've created for myself because then I feel bad, then I cave in, and then I want to make sure that everybody's happy, and then I, I let people break through the boundaries. What can we do for people like that? So one of the questions I've been encouraging a lot of my clients to sit with when they reckon with this is kind of the two sides of people pleasing in terms of like, are you trying to do something to you know, make someone else happy? which is one way of one whatever avenue of people pleasing um or are you doing it because you don't want someone to dislike you and like you're mm. uncomfortable with that so mm. it's like again what's the benefit that you're getting from compromising the boundary and is it actually worth it Ooh. interesting because a lot of this is about that long haul right and it's like we're wired for the short-term kickback yeah, so let's let's dive into that a little bit because I'm 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 relating this back to when you're in a sales situation or you're trying to close a deal. Mm-hmm. And we will often cave in cuz you said it's two things. It's like you're either trying to make someone happy or you want to be liked, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So in in a sales situation, when I'm being pushed hard by a prospect, about something that they want or concessions they want us to make. I'm trying to make them happy so that I can close the deal so that I can make money. Right? So me making them happy is going to serve me, but I might be miserable through the process to get happy. So is, is it, what do I do with that? So, um, okay. So there's a couple layers here. Um, One of the things is to really look at, again, what's that mutually beneficial ground? Because what you're describing is, again, something that provides, it skews our Venn diagram so that they're getting Mm -hmm. more of the benefit and it's coming at Mm -hmm. the cost of you on the other side. Um, And not just you personally, but like, is the goal ultimately to close the sale or is the goal ultimately to deliver a high quality product or work on the other end like what's the what's the Mm. feel good that you're actually after is it the in the moment closing or is it the end result of good work Ah. and so that's part of where again like in i think in a sales conversation like you're coming at it as the professional you're the person who has the upper hand in the knowledge. And so you have to really put your, you know, stick in the, I'm like, stick in the stand sounds really flimsy. Stick in the mud. You really have to stand your ground, I guess, (laughs) around the integrity of delivering quality because that's truly what they want. And then again, coming back to that long term, like what ultimately makes for a successful business is when you build that trust with your customers. Right. So it's like if is the thing that they're after, um, 
you know, are they trying to talk you down in price because they want to save money? And then it becomes like, okay, well, if you talk us down in price, then it means that, and I, and I, because I speak from like, um, like a lot of service-based experience and working mm -hmm. with teams, um, it ends up being that then we can't actually allocate the resources that we need to deliver the work that you're asking for. And so the cost of that is going to be X, Y, Z. Yeah, that makes total sense. I, I think remembering, I think the key here is remembering the long term. Yes. Remembering the long goal, not remembering that in the moment, I got to close the sale, get the business. I've, I've got to close the sale and get the business. And I also need to make sure that it's the right fit for our company. Yes. I need to make sure that it's not actually going to cost me money in the long run because yes. now it's become a complicated client to work with. And if I've, if I've done all of this upfront um, concessions and compromises in the beginning, what's that going to look like in the long term? Yes. If I don't, if I'm not clear about it upfront, and think about it that way and not think about the fast deal. And I'm not saying fast deal, but the immediate versus the long term. Yeah. And and it, and it's really um, it's something that's really easy to fall prey to. Like even in my own business just recently, I've had to you know make a proactive plan to let a client go because we've been working together for several years and we just can't get out of that urgency. Right. And and that's kind mm -hmm. of what you experience in that moment in that sales call is that what you the initial feeling that comes up, the most pressing one, because it's happening in the moment, is the stress of feeling like you need to land the deal. Right. Yeah. And again, like if we we talked about this in our last conversation about like unpacking the fear behind it, because what your body is probably responding into in that moment is that fear of like, if I don't get the sale, I'm not going to make the money. I'm not going to pay the bills. My business is going to go under. I'm going to be homeless and blah, blah, blah. Like that's. So to be able to create that space to calm down from that stress response and remind yourself of what that long game is. So I want to go back to making someone happy because that was the one. And then the other one was we don't want to be disliked. So we want to be liked. Now, we, we want that in the sales process for sure. But in any kind of relationship, I, I see this more in just personal relationships in general of wanting to be liked, wanting to have, you know, I probably went through this in my, my uh, courtship or dating period of life before I, um, before I, my current significant other of, you know, you see this in relationships, people are willing to be less than or take less than because they want to be liked. How do we overcome that one? So this is a topic that um, Brene Brown writes about in a really and talks about it in a really beautiful, wonderful way. And it's this this comparison of fitting in versus belonging. Ooh. Right. Yes. And so mm -hmm. this idea of like, if we're nice and we're, you know, good and do the right thing, then people are going to like us and then we're going to fit in. That creates a sense of social safety and protection. And again, this is something that we are wired for biologically because we are social right. creatures. It's inherent to our survival. Right. But the thing like when we approach um, how we show up from that way. Um, again, it, it's kind of like taking those external markers of what someone else thinks makes us good and trying to um, meet those competing pressures. So it's like, if I'm this person for this person, then they'll think that I am 
good, they'll like me, whatever. And that creates mm -hmm. an insane amount of stress trying to fit in with these different environments. But what we actually want to cultivate is that that authentic sense of self where you have belonging, where you feel safe, where you feel like mm -hmm. you can settle in. And so it's that, um, yeah, when we when we compromise our boundaries and constantly let other people dictate who we are for the sake of fitting in, then that doesn't it's not good for us. I think what the, the problem with that is that sometimes people don't realize that they're trying to fit in yes. versus belong. And again, that's another oblivious. How do we get there? I mean, I know how I got there and it, it was through a lot of therapy. It was through, like you said, like writing things out. You know, there were different practices I put in place to be more aware. Um, I'm big into emotional intelligence. I've done this kind of work with clients of like discovering your own triggers, self-empathy, um, you know, just looking at simple things like when you get triggered by someone, how does that make you feel? What are you thinking and what do you need? Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of people that don't have those tools to figure that the difference out between belonging and fitting in. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that the tools are out there in terms of like podcasts are free, right? Mm -hmm. And so they do offer a really great introduction. So like if someone's listening and they think like, I don't have the tools for this, like, hey, you're already in the right spot. You do have the tools. Mm -hmm. um, and there are other things available. But I think that the there is no shortcut to finding that sense of self. Um, and being able to take that, like yeah. you mentioned, you know, writing, like years of therapy, like um, a lot of sitting with unpacking your triggers, like, why am I reacting this way? Like, where does that really come from? Because you have to be able to unpack your conditioning. Because again, like, as a child, you learn to make sense of who you are based on what's going on around you. And it takes a lot of mm -hmm. conscious effort to, to find that separation and look at what have I been conditioned into? And who am I actually? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, so it's not work that's for everybody is the truth of the matter because it's really hard and yet it should be work for everybody it is work for everybody like this is this is a both yeah, things it are should true be. yeah it is work that everybody needs to do in order to be able to show up in healthy whole mutually beneficial ways like to create a strong social fabric to society we all need to be doing this work. Mm-hmm. 100%. So let's do, let's do some, um, do you have any quick tips that you can give um, as we wrap up the show that you can give for people who need to get better at setting boundaries or taking down boundaries that are like, oh, I can't go to therapy. I can't afford it. I don't, or I don't want to do it. What are some quick tips that we could give people that they could actually start working on this if they're ready to do that? Again, like the first quickest tip is to start listening to podcasts. And like, if you can't mm -hmm. get into therapy, listen to podcasts that therapists host. So like, mm -hmm. listen to mm -hmm. Esther Perel, listen to um, Hillary McBride, like look for instances of other people doing this work because mm -hmm. again part of what makes it so hard is that our own defensive mechanisms get instigated when we start um, deconstructing our belief system and so to actually do the work directly can be too confronting but when you listen to someone else it bypasses that defense mechanism and you go into storytelling mode 
and it helps you to kind of internalize some of those messages a little bit differently. Um, and, and otherwise, like just to give people a general um, framework for what it looks like to set this boundary so that like if you're, um, you know, coming on the other side of an engagement thinking like, oh, that didn't go the way that I thought it would, like it didn't lead to the end result, whatever. Um, there's kind of five steps that I identify with it. So the first is to lead with empathy and validate the other person's point of view. Um, and then the next thing is to create accountability by naming the action that happened. And then sharing the consequence, which is how the action made you feel. Uh, connecting with the mutual benefit to get on the same team. And mm -hmm. then stating the boundary that will get you there and holding your ground. So again, that makes it sound really simple. State the boundary, hold your ground. But but that's what the, the full process looks like that that holds that, um, you know, mutually beneficial, semi-permeable space that allows for growth. Awesome. That was a great way to summarize uh, this episode uh, to give people some tools to work with. And before we wrap up, um, you know, we just jumped into the show this time because it's just you and me uh, and Rachel's not here today or his Keith. And uh, give our audience just a, a quick synopsis of who you are, how you can help them and how they can reach you. Yeah, so I am Justine Sones, um, a writer and stress management coach. So I help people learn how to uh, practice sustainable self-care, set boundaries, and feel their feelings in um, healthy and productive ways. So the main way that you can connect with my work is by signing up for my email list, The Friday Feels, that goes out every other week. And you can sign up by either, if you're in the States, you can text The Friday Feels, one word, to 33777. Or you can sign up at bit.ly slash the Friday feels. Um, and what you'll get on the other side of that is basically, um, you know, the email reads like a letter from a friend. It's sharing some of the experiences I'm going through as I put this work into practice. It's reflecting on some of the conversations that I have with people along the way. Um, and it just really provides a, a yeah consistent inquiry into this whole setting boundaries and self-care thing. Awesome. Love it. I love that you said feel your feelings because that's really, that's what it comes down to. Feel your feelings. Yes. Don't ignore them. Yeah. Feel your feelings. It's, Unpack the story with that like is going along with them. And that's going to give you so much clarity about what's actually going on in your life. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here, Justine. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. Hey, Warners, it's time to wrap up this episode of The Women Your Mother Warned You About. Today's guest was Justine Sones, and we were talking about feeling your feelings and setting boundaries. This is great for personal and professional. The show is sponsored by Sales Gravy. For more information about Sales Gravy, you can go to salesgravy.com or salesgravy.university. And to learn more about our show, or hear other episodes, womenyourmotherwarnsyouabout.com is the place to go. You can hear all the episodes there. Uh, you can hear us on any uh, podcast platform. Do us a favor, go share an episode with someone, especially if you loved this one. And if ha you haven't given us a rating or review yet, do that as well. Warners, we gotta go. Thanks again for listening to this episode. get serious soon. Yeah. I don't, it, it doesn't have to. I don't think anybody wants it to be serious.